Ba-ba-boo-y, ba-ba-boo-y, ba-ba-boo-y. Okay. That mine, mine's kind of working. Camping like, on the wall. Camping on the wall, so you have like portal edges, 
if you saw the dawn wall they like sleep on a portal edge mm -hmm. so that's kind of what you do and uh yeah you spend i think it it's over like 40 pitches so every pitch is between i'd say like 20 meters to like 60 meters mm -hmm. and you're going up a 3,000 foot wall which is also insane but then you take a guy like alex honnold who has climbed free rider the uh route that he free soloed he's climbed it over 40 times to a point where he's able to free solo it so he's memorized everything about that route and how to get up it and free soloing is free soloing is climbing by yourself without a rope so there's no protection there's no gear nothing to fall on and if you yeah if you fall off the wall you die most likely yeah but he did it which is insane and it still makes me like my hands are really clammy right now my feet are clammy <laughs> just thinking about it is crazy yeah and yeah, like they say in the movie, it's less than 1% of people who rock climb free solo just because if you fall, you die. Yeah, zero, zero margin for error. Yeah. So you look at him and he climbed a big wall, free soloing, multiple pitches in what some people would take four days to climb and he did it in four hours by himself. And yeah. He's still alive, which is really nice. <laughs> with, with the camera crew just with waiting for him to crew. fall. Yeah. I think that would be stressful, being part of that crew. That was, for them to have to deal with that, that would be pretty crazy. Yeah. If he did fall. Oh, my God. Did fall. Yeah. Can you imagine? You just watch a guy that you've become friends with over the years just fall. Yeah. That. Yeah, free soloing is really crazy. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, I agree. The more, and I feel like it's, Who's the guy we watched the other night? The, uh, the Czech guy. Oh, Adam Andra. Adam Andra. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's cool that some people are just... They're just sports are just constantly evolving, mm -hmm. especially now with more interconnectivity in social media. It's just easy to see someone do something crazy and like, okay, now I'm going to do that. Whereas before, I think you'd have to get videotapes or see it on TV live, and then, but now you can just Google it and... Yeah. Just say, I'm going to go do that crazy thing. And like Instagram is yeah, such a good platform for that too. Totally, yeah. Because you're getting that first person, hey, I just did this. Yeah. Uh, Especially, I, I like the explore feed tailoring. I yeah. When I, well, first thing NBA, like first thing the NBA season came out, I watched a couple of videos, now my whole explore feed's NBA. And then like Randy sends me a few philosophy quotes and then my whole explore feed's philosophy. I think it's actually really, really cool. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I got to delete it again soon. It's getting, oh, I, it's getting bad. I deleted it right before I came here. I was like, I can't do it anymore. I, I'm, a, I'm a piece of garbage. I, every time I go onto it, I'm like, oh, I just wasted 10, 20 minutes. Yeah. I could be reading. It's a black hole. You like start on one picture and then you're 45 minutes sitting on the toilet with the stories and stuff <laughs> yeah your legs are your asleep legs don't work. <laughs> <laughs> oh well now i just have to sit here because i can't stand up <laughs> why was i here anyway I don't 
There's, just, there's nothing in the toilet. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> this is just a chair. Um, yeah, no, I. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm weak. I'm too weak. I gotta delete Snapchat, and Instagram. Yeah, I delete them probably three times a week, and then I re-download them, talk to people, look at twenty stories, and then hate myself. Yeah, go and look at the mirror and just, what am I doing with my life? I go on Instagram a lot on my computer, but I'm like, you don't get like DMs on your computer. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll download (laughs) the app and see if anyone's texted me (laughs) for that. And And then then it's on my phone. (laughs) I do that and then nobody's messaged me and then I'm like, oh, no, I'm just a piece of garbage (laughs) and I hate myself. (laughs) But yeah. It also makes me feel really bad about myself because I'm, like, I'm just wasting hours of my life yeah. doing stupid stuff, seeing other people do kind of cool stuff. Or a lot <laughs> of the time I'm like, yeah, it makes me feel bad about Instagram because I'm like, I don't need that yeah. anymore. Well, Ty and, I were, Ty and I were sitting here hanging out last night and we were just stretching here and we had a bottle cap and we started to flick it on this table. And the goal was to get it hanging off. Okay, yeah. And we did that for probably 20 minutes. And it was like, yeah, this is actually a lot of fun. Yeah, anything, almost anything we do will be fun. If we don't have social media, not even like social media, but the humans just, I think all animals just create games all the time. Oh, for sure. One time we sat here with all five of our lacrosse balls. He, mm-hmm. was, at the, he was at the door and I was here. And we just threw them at each other, trying to get them past each other, but also playing with each other. And it was really random and weird, but just so much fun. And I think that I think that's a thing that you can do is just kind of have fun all the time. But I think, and I think that's also growing for the human, because like it grows your brain and it grows mm-hmm. your muscle movements and stuff. But yeah, I don't do that enough. But it's a lot of it fun. Is, yeah. Kind of has to come naturally too. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's the thing though. I think being on your phone a lot kind of becomes a detriment for that because then you don't get so bored that you just start flicking a bottle cap across the table. Yeah, <laughs> a... you notice that with society too now. It's just like once you get bored, there's hands in the pocket grabbing the phone, yeah, pulling it out, and then wasting time until you don't. Yeah, even just uncomfortable silence. It's weird now. I don't know. You go to like a doctor's room and everyone's on their phone. Or like, I saw this the other day. There's a girl or a mom and her son were uh, grocery shopping and the kid was just playing on her phone. Mm -hmm. And like, I remember when I was a kid, there was no phone to play on. It was just like, either cried or like, (laughs) like, (laughs) parents are having it easy now. They just put... Phone in their hands, yeah, the kids and the tablet. Fine. Yeah, <laughs> I did that to Pat's daughter, like in my first year. I like put her on my lap and she started bawling, and I gave her my phone and immediately she stopped crying. She's like, "Ooh, phone!" Yeah, I was like, "Oh my god, this is a dangerous thing." I think it's. I think that's an interesting point because I think that it's a really good way to get away from yourself. Anytime yeah. I start to, I always, I try to think about what I'm feeling when I get the, when I get the internal push 
to go on my phone or to do something that I don't see as productive. Mm -hmm. I always try to think about how I actually feel at that time. Because a lot of the time it's like, you feel a little bit sad or you feel a little bit anxious or something and you just like whip out your phone because I think that's a good way to escape. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like drugs, I think. Like I think that it is becoming, it's a, it's a good escape from reality. Yeah. I think for sure there's some apps, there's like social media can do that to a person. Yeah. Where like I started downloading like news apps and instead of every time I like flip my phone up to go on Instagram, I would just go to like read something on the news Yeah, and it like stimulated my brain a lot more and then I'd actually like learn something. Yeah. And then I could converse with people about it, become more social. <laughs> oh, one day, one day. Yeah. I feel like people are starting to kind of, I think it's getting healthier. Yeah, I hope so. It's the young people I find, maybe. But like, we're young people. But there's, yeah. Well, I think Pat said it the best last year when we had new guys come in. He said, like, you guys got phones when you were in grade seven and social media didn't come up till like, grade nine. (laughs) These guys are five years younger than you. So they have five more years of exp or like they've grown up with it more yeah. than you have. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. I'm waiting for the next big thing. Mm-hmm. There's going to be within the next four years, there's going to be a new internet, something along those lines, just something that breaks the game. I don't even know. No. what it would be no, but. no there's no way there's no way anyone knows there also would be a thing but I think that something's gonna happen that just kind of blows yeah. up the way the internet did yeah but the good thing is we got the golden age of internet we did we we were young enough that we could pick it up quick enough and I remember how easy it was to pirate movies LimeWire oh my god did you ever use LimeWire oh, yeah. music yeah all, all the time the Pirate Bay, U-Torn. Pirate Bay. It was just so easy to get movies. I remember oh, yeah. I watched, I watched the Wolverine movie eight months before it came out. <laughs> and it was, it was, there was no CGI done to it. I thought it was just a really shitty cut. And then four months later, I started seeing trailers for it. I feel like I've seen this movie before. Oh, really? Yeah, it was really wow. weird. They used to just watch, um, uh, what was it? There was a, there's an old website that my friend Ryan and I used to go on and we would just go to the top and just watch the top movie and that was just the top movie at one point but now there's but now it's less possible to do that okay yeah it was just leaked super early I never had that experience I don't think but I was definitely like don't ever buy a movie yeah no just even now, it's just, oh, look up the movie free online. Yeah. And then it's, yep. like, first thing. But, yeah. Even streaming services are really cheap now. They are. They don't seem cheap because I think I'm, I don't like spending money online. But when I, when I make it relative, mm-hmm. oh, Netflix is the cost of a meal at Subway. Yeah. And, like, I think I read... To get all the streaming services, it would be like 90 bucks a month. Yeah. 
just like picture how many movies and like TV shows that would be. That'd I might jump on Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Disney Plus seems awesome. Is that like its own streaming service? Yeah. So Disney's creating their own streaming service with all of the Star Wars, all of the Marvel, all the old Disney movies. And I love Disney movies. Yeah. I fuck with Disney movies. <laughs> There's a lot of good ones. And then, um, yeah, all of the Disney animation stuff. Like all the stuff that they've had on Disney XD and stuff. They're because they have their own channel on cable. Yeah. Cable still exists. Right. Yeah, that's one thing. I. It's been so long. I think the last time, well, it was like two weeks ago, but Sam and I watched Napoleon Dynamite on TV <laughs> in a hotel room because it was on. Yeah. And then you forget like every five minutes, there's a three-minute commercial. It's oh. just like... Why, why am I doing this? Why yeah. don't I just look it up on my computer? <laughs> Listening to radio commercials. They're just awful. They're, they just seem really... Oh, yeah. They, they just seem unintelligible. You listen to a radio commercial. Like, oh, my God. People used to buy into this. But I feel like being away from commercials, they're not as normalized. So now hearing a commercial, I just think about how stupid it is. Yeah. And even like... I find I don't like a lot of the music on the radio either. It's yeah. like every 10th song, I might be like, oh, I know this one. This is good. Yeah. Where I can just be on Apple Music and listen to all my favorite songs. Yeah. <laughs> That's so much easier. The classic rock channels, I, I appreciate a lot because mm -hmm. a lot of it's stuff that I just won't have consistently on my phone. Yeah. I have a lot of more indie rock stuff now, but mm -hmm. hearing, hearing some good old like Led Zeppelin a little bit of I heard Stairway to Heaven on the radio the other day I was like oh my god they play this on the radio this is amazing why don't we just listen to this all the time yeah that is good too and like yeah I just find with like top 40 at least that's mm. what seems to be on the most yeah yeah, yeah for sure I tried going back because I remember growing up, it would be like, yeah, always listen to top, like the top 40 songs. Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. <laughs> but now you're like, who are these people? This is, to me, it's garbage, but yeah, Just I don't like it. Throwing a brick of steel into a blender. <laughs> these aren't, these aren't, this isn't music. Mm -hmm. I was actually thinking about that the other day. Um, there's this cool... Uh, I want to say it's the mere exposure effect. No, voice to sound effect. Okay. This is a cool thing we learned in Sensation of Perception of Sound. And it's just the idea that if you replay someone's voice over and over again, or like if you, if you cut out a little snippet of someone speaking mm -hmm. and you play that repeatedly, the brain naturally turns it into music. No way. It's really, really cool. Wow, that's super cool. I think I saw something like that where this, it was like a TED talk and the guy was jumping one direction. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was like, go down the like octave scale yep. of music. Mm -hmm. And then he jumped the other way and then people went up and yep. he didn't tell them to. Yeah. And it's like people just naturally I think, like, yeah. think of music. I, I think, guess. I think music is just natural in yeah. humans. Like we create music. It's not. <clears throat> I mean, it's just something that happens naturally, but it's interesting that there's a, there's a piece of our brain that 
actually creates music. Yeah. And I was thinking about that with um, Ty listens to a lot of drum and bass stuff. And just listening to... Because listening to it before, I couldn't really get into it. Just because it's really ambient noise slowly building up. Before I was like, this is so fucking stupid. <laughs> but after listening to it and after just kind of committing to it and listening to it for a while, I just noticed the speech to sound effect at that level because initially it's just random noises and then after three or four of those um, progressive beats then it just becomes music and it was really really weird like it's a really weird it's a really weird snap in your brain where it just kind of crosses over and then you realize that it's music now okay that's cool I'll I'll cut a piece of this I'll cut a piece of this while I'm editing Uh and I'll just play your voice to like repeatedly and it'll it'll make that will make it'll make a little song okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to hear that yeah 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 I'd like to hear that. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I think that's really, really interesting. What's your uh, pillow of choice? Um, uh, God, where did I get this from? Um, this was at our old place. Was it from? I feel like it looks like a chair pillow, but I want to say it actually came from that chair. I want to say Sam's parents brought it up with yeah. that chair. And I, it's just, I, I asked Sam if I could use that for the podcast, but... Um, no, it's ours. Or no, it's yours. <laughs> yeah. But this is... Um, when, I was, when I was in India doing the meditation thing, it, they... Every, almost everyone meditates with something under their hips because the whole idea is that you want to rotate your hips forward okay, so that your lower back can be straighter because you want a really, like you want it to be as if you're about to squat. Okay. You know, yeah. you know that feeling? Uh-huh. You like kind of stick your butt out? Yeah. You kind of want that so that your lower back can be as straight as possible. Mm-hmm. So the, like the, the, little matty mat just helps with that like the little pillow and even people that were people that were just full on lotus like super cross legged they still use a little pillow to elevate their hips which I thought was cool yeah but it hurt a lot to be able to sit cross legged oh yeah it hurt a lot it was three days of absolute suffering and that one hour of you're not allowed to move at all my back everything actually everything that would I'd be about 30 seconds and then I'd be like scratching something or like yeah I mean that's the thing of actually I find that funny about whenever I do the, the therapy the singing bowl therapy is so to get into the meditative state so it's kind of a somatosensory thing so um, soma's like Latin for body mm-hmm. so your your bodily senses start to when you start to get into a meditative state your bodily senses start to push you to see if you're so your body's seeing your mind is seeing if you're awake by 
doing stuff like making you really itchy. Okay. So I find that typically when I do the therapy at around the 20 minute mark, which is normally the point at which you get into a meditative state when you're meditating, Mm -hmm. um, people will like scratch their face a little bit, which I find is really, really interesting because it's consistent. Everyone that I've done it for does that. But if you avoid that, then your body dissolves. Oh, really? Because you lose complete concept of your, um, your somatosensory. Oh, no way. It's really, really cool. I remember scratching my nose a couple times. Yeah. But I was like, oh, this is itchy. And then waited like a minute or two maybe. And it's just like, it's not going away. I just got to itch. It goes away. It's, um, it, it puts you into a, a dream paralysis state to not itch. It's the same with lucid dreaming. Like, you know, you know, when you're awake or when you wake up in bed and you just need to move, mm-hmm. if you avoid that, then you'll go into it like lucid dreaming. It's easier to lucid dream like that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, I wish I did that. I wish I knew that. We'll do, we'll do we'll it do again. again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, um, what do you, what do you think of you know, just like on the thing of dreaming and stuff? Um, visualization's really, really cool. And I think that. Alex Honnell and that other guy. Adam Andrick. Adam on he is like a crazy visualizer. In that video that shows like him visualizing like a climbing route. Mm-hmm. It was insane. The way he like not only memorized the like hand placement and foot placement and like the ways he needs to contort his body, but mm-hmm. like how much like grabbing onto the hold like hurts or like how much he would yell yeah because like that level of climbing a lot of people just like scream because it's like not fun like it's really (laughs) hard (laughs) and i don't know like i've never experienced climbing to like even close to that level but once it gets like out of your like range it gets like really hard yeah. So that he's just like screaming the whole way. And this is all like him visualizing it too. Mm-hmm. This is insane. Okay. Um, I think we were talking about visualization. Yes. Um, we were talking about Adam Andra. Yeah. F- famous. The world's best rock climber. Yeah. Also. In all aspects. I think that's the coolest thing. Yeah. There's so many like disciplines of rock climbing that it's kind of hard to be like the best rock climber yeah that's but fair. like for what he does he's the best at or anything that he does he's like the best at yeah uh-huh. but yeah his visualization technique is just insane and it like obviously helps him because mm-hmm. he's like pushed the grades of rock climbing so much that like I guess you have to you can't just like keep climbing a route until you get it you have to be like visualizing to like that extent yeah yeah i've been juggling with the difference between learning and memory okay because i'm in i'm in a class that's neuroscience of learning and memory Uh and that just goes through my head all the time what's the difference between learning something and it being a memory like do you actually have to do something to learn how to do something there was a there was a there was an experiment that they like they um mm-hmm. there there was an experiment that they did where it was shooting three pointers and initially they did a control 
So they saw what everyone's baseline was. And then one group went and visualized shooting three-pointers. Mm-hmm. And another, the other group went to go and actually shoot three-pointers. And then I, there was a control. And the, the two groups that shot versus visualized had the same end result. Like they stayed quite consistent with each other throughout the experiment. So even if they weren't shooting the actual basketball, but thinking about it, they were still just as good. Yeah. As if just through were. visualization. Yeah. So I think the idea is that you don't necessarily need to do something to improve at it, but as long as you're visualizing the process and seeing yourself in that position, doing everything that you would normally do. Yeah. I think that 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 helps to learn even though you're not generating a memory yeah i think rock climbing too is almost like dancing Mm -hmm. like there's a certain way to like get to the top on a route yeah so normally you can like it's pretty easy to visualize Mm -hmm. and like i remember some of like over the summer when I'd be climbing a route like multiple times a week mm-hmm. like you just remember how to climb it yeah like I'll be like working and be like oh yeah I remember doing this and this and this mm-hmm. and, like get to the top which is so cool yeah cause like I don't know I think in like volleyball you wouldn't really have that same visualization like technique mm-hmm. I guess I think, I think so it's many. possible. I think I think that it's possible in all sports. I just think yeah. you have to... I think a big part of it is if you visualize, then you're visualizing... For the most part, I think people visualize without a perception of anxiety. Yeah. So once you get into a game or in practice, it's way different because you're, you're stimulated, your mm-hmm. arousal level's higher. So I think that if you visualize, then either you have to visualize with some form of strain, some form, some form of mental strain. Maybe you visualize yourself in a game rather than just in a blank state. Yeah. If you just see yourself on a court with a ball, shooting three-pointers and nailing all of them, then I think that once you get into a game and the stimulus is different, mm-hmm. then I think that you're going to see a different result. But if you pictures, if you visualize yourself in the stadium that you're going to play in, in front of crowds, with a ref, with someone in front of you, then I think that it's a little bit more applicable. Yeah. And I, but then also, if you, I think you have to visualize relaxed, and then you have to play relaxed, which is oh, really, sure. really hard to do. Yeah, because once you actually get out there, and there's all the variables, there's mm-hmm. a team, there's the fans, there's your team, there's you, yeah, it's a lot different than just thinking about it in your head. Yeah. Especially in volleyball. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that the highest level of visualization you're meditating before mm-hmm. to clear your mind a little bit and then you visualize and then you have to meditate before practice and games as well because meditating and then playing is way different than just playing. You're just in a totally different state. Meaning like you've totally emptied your mind? Kind of. You're just, your perception of everything is a lot different. Um, it would be like if you were just to start playing. If, if, if you just drank a coffee mm-hmm. and then you played, 
you'd play a lot differently than if you hadn't. So I think you have to practice practice with meditating before if you're going to do that in a game. Okay, yeah. Can you move the mic a little closer? All right. I think you can probably bring it down a little bit if you want. I'll get it closer to you. Yeah, that'll that'll control up and down. And then you can just like pull it. But yeah, I think that I think there's definitely the highest end that you. It would be interesting to see all the processes that you could have to become the best at whatever you do, because I think that there is a process that would diet, sleep, mindfulness, visualization, health, and other aspects of your life. Yeah, like what would you have to do to be the best you that you can be? And time too. Mm-hmm. And like how much work you're putting in at that time or during that time. Yeah. I would, I'd rather go to the gym and crush a workout in 45 minutes and bust my ass rather than be there for two hours, taking long breaks between sets, sitting on my phone. I see so many people just on their phones at the gym. Yeah. What are you doing? Over the summer, like I worked at a golf course and I cut grass for eight hours a day. And you'd see like people who go and play golf multiple rounds every day. Mm-hmm. We had this one guy named, oh, I totally forget his name, but uh, he'd literally come and play 45 holes. So he'd play one par nine, like a nine hole course, yeah. five times. And just like sit on the cart and play. And he was like dog shit. He was so bad. <laughs> And I didn't understand it. Like, how can you be playing golf for that like long a time and still be shit? And like, the course hasn't changed that much. Like, yeah. we changed where the pins are, but like, you know where the ball should be going. Like, how are you still bad? Yeah. Oh, his name was Pikey. That's what we <laughs> called him. <laughs> <laughs> But it was like, yeah, we just find his golf balls like all over the course. So he's like shanking balls off into yeah. the woods. We come and alone with like, buddies. Was this a social just, thing? Just go by himself. Just one guy in a cart and he'd rip through nine holes in an hour. And like, yeah. So he'd be there for an afternoon, play 45 holes and then go home and just, it'd be bad. Like it wasn't good golf. I would I would hope that after 45 holes a day for a month, he'd be kind of okay. Yeah. But he's also like, I also heard that he'd go skiing and then rip the same, like, run mm-hmm. every day. So he's just like, goes down the same hill, knows what, yeah. knows the hill. And I haven't seen him ski, so I don't know if he's a good skier or not, but... <laughs> I hope he's good at skiing. God, God likes skiing. <laughs> yeah. He's really good on that one route, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, how could you be putting so much time and not receive like any, like, you don't get better? Yeah. What are you doing? There's a, there's a Zen principle that talks about that. Just the idea of right effort. Mm-hmm. You can put in tons of effort, but if you're not doing it the right way, 
then you're just wasting time. Yeah. If you go to the going going and sitting down in the library for four hours isn't studying. No. Like go and you have to like actually read and mm-hmm. do things and be effective with it. I think that's another thing. Yeah. Being effective with your time rather than and I think that's a personal practice thing. Like I normally read, listen to lectures, take notes on flashcards, go over flashcards, listen to lecture again. Mm-hmm. And that'll be my that'll be my process for picking up difficult knowledge. But yeah, I've kind of gotten to the point where if I don't find what we're learning to be interesting, there's like no real reason for me to want to have it in my mind. So when I'm studying for it, I'll just memorize it for that until I'm yeah. done the exam or the midterm or whatever and mm-hmm. then it's just out of my mind yeah like i don't need that anymore because that was useless yeah to me yeah i think that's i think that's a problem with multiple choice too just rote learning just memorization memorize these terms uh-huh. and then never use them again i was thinking about multiple choice too and like of course there's like one real answer mm-hmm but there's still like kind of how they tell you to like do multiple choices. There's one that's for sure wrong Yeah. Two that are like kind of close. And then one that's right. Well, if you pick the two that are kind of close and you're thinking those are the right answers, how do you still get zero? If it's like still the right answer, it's just not the rightest answer. Yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson goes on a really cool tangent of that Mm -hmm. where he talks about, if you were to know, if I were to ask you how tall a building was and you knew right away, then that's cool, you know. But if someone, if you ask someone, they're like, okay, give me 10 minutes and they go and measure the shadow and then look, look at, at the, the sun. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they, you look at the point in the, that the sun is in the sky and measure the shadow and then, like, if you figure it out, then that's totally different. Mm-hmm. Like, and their, their answer is still the same. Yeah. But... Is one person smarter than the other? And like yeah. phonetically, cat should be spelled with a K. But yeah. if you spell cat with a K, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. But t- phonetically, you're more right than someone that spells it with a C. Yeah. So it's I, I've always found multiple choice to be frustrating because I can I could normally just go on like a little rant on the paper. Like, well, this is right if in this like anytime. A big multiple choice thing for me is if mm-hmm. anytime someone uses always, I normally rule it out because always just isn't a thing. I just don't think you always can't. is. All it's right. not always going to be right. Mm-hmm. Like it's not always going to be this pathway or like you can. Yeah, there's variance. Okay. It's not binary. <laughs> I, yeah, it's weird. But yeah. And then you look at. There's no tests in, like, an actual job. No. Like there is in school. It's, I don't know. I don't think. (laughs) I'm glad I'm playing volleyball here. (laughs) Because I'm not. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't think, I don't think enough classes have speaking or writing assignments. No. You don't really, Yeah. That's a weird thing. That's and probably like, the most important thing you could have is learning how to speak. And like interacting with people. Yeah. I actually have two really good courses that 
it's like you're working in a group and because there are two geography courses and typically jobs in that field you need to be working in groups so that's mm -hmm. kind of what they're gearing the class to do and that's like a much better way of learning and like being tested on i think because there's more than just like oh i got the right answer it's oh i'm working with a bunch of people to find the right answer yeah yeah and it's like what we have to do is a lot of work but when you spread it over two to three people it makes sense and like the projects are the project should be a lot better than if it was just one person mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and people have different passions too yeah some people are really good at some stuff people are really good at other stuff yeah so i think that yeah developing teams and that's like what humans do we're just big social creatures we are which is kind of nice yeah uh -huh. <laughs> kind of nice <laughs> i like being social to an extent mm -hmm. sometimes i just need to be alone for forever but then after that i'm happy to talk to people yeah what were we talking about earlier jogging oh yeah we'll jog jogging jogging soft j you know the guy that created jogging died when he was like 54 from he had a heart Didn't, attack he had a heart attack he had a heart attack but his dad had a heart attack at 42 okay. a bunch of people started to freak out because they were like oh if that guy died of a heart attack at 54 then mm -hmm. that, like how healthy is jogging really but he outlived his dad by a really long time yeah that's the scary thing is like looking at the age of your parents or like your parents parents and if they died early like oh if you outlive your parents that's typically a good thing, but then the clock is like counting down, yeah, which yeah. is scary. Yeah, you're, you're genetically bound for sure, mm -hmm. especially predispositions to stuff like cancer and mental, like lots of mental health disorders. Yeah. Are, they have genetic foundations. Mm -hmm. Just scares the shit out of me. <laughs> Just terrifying, man. So, sir, what about yogging? Oh, yeah, we're talking about um, people who just... Humans used to just run after mm -hmm. their food. Because we're the most endurance creatures. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Can you imagine some crazy motherfucker just chasing you for like two days? Yeah. You're a deer. You're like, oh, I'm totally going to get away. And this guy's just still oh, just oh. huffing after you. <sighs> I'm going to get you. Yeah. I'm going to get you. The deer's like, oh, no, I'm totally... Like after two days, oh my god, he's still he's still <laughs> running after me. <laughs> That's yeah. the most terrifying thing I can imagine. Is someone just chasing you for two days? Yeah. Like as an animal, how mentally taxing it'd be on them. Like to know they're being hunted and stalked. And, like, yeah, you can run away from for an hour, but they're slowly going to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my, there was one time my grandparents had a cabin in Saskatchewan, and mm -hmm. my brother, my best friend Ryan, and I were all out there, and they went into town, mm -hmm. and we were, my brother and I got into a fight. We were, I, like, hit him or something, he hit me, and then we were, were like, fighting, and I was, I was quicker than him. 
but I ran all the way up the beach to the last house, yeah. and then we fought again, and then we were walking back, and we walked to the edge of this dock, and he was like, jump in. Like, no. Like, jump in, or I'll throw you in. Like, no. The water is ice cold. Like, mm-hmm. ice cold. It's like, no. There's no way. And he was like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And he starts to walk towards me, and he stuck a hand out. And I've never, ever done this before. But I grabbed his hand, turned around, and judo flipped him over my back into the water. And I was walking back and just seeing him get out of the water faster than I've ever seen a human move and start running after me was the scariest. I think that's like one of the top five scariest moments of my life. Oh, yeah. And I locked him out of the house for four hours. (laughs) Freezing cold. Like, freezing cold. And... Cause I was so scared. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the thought of the thought of anyone attacking you or coming after you is just terrifying. Yeah, something about well, even like in running races, like if you're in the lead, you're just like, <laughs> do you just, do you just imagine what did you do when you're when you did your half marathon? Did you just imagine the person behind you was trying to kill you? No, I like I remember there was this couple in front of me, mm-hmm. and like. You'd kind of run in groups, so you'd be around a bunch of people that are going the same speed as you, and no one's gonna like pass, or no one's gonna like really, yeah. You're right. not gonna be passing too many people. Drafting. Yeah, but there's like this couple in front of me, and I was like, like I'm gonna beat you guys. <laughs> I'm gonna run faster than you. Not right now, but I'm gonna beat you guys at the end. Did you beat them? Yeah. Nice. Because nice. at the end, I was like, okay, there's like 200 meters left, and I'll just sprint. And then I sprint and like I pass them. And then you realize like the ending isn't like a straightaway. It's like a bunch of like quick turns in oh, like geez. a really small gap yeah. that you have to like run through. So I like go around the first corner and almost like flip over this gate because <laughs> it's like these like fences like yeah. at a concert or whatever. You're like skidding out. But yeah, I beat them. But it was like if there was someone behind me. Mm if they started to run, like you almost want to slow down to let them go in front and then you try to pass them. Yeah. Like I feel like being in front was, or like being in the lead is kind of scary because you have something to lose or the person behind you. That's fair, yeah. Yeah. Under, underdog. Yeah. Of course. Cause, and you don't know how, like you can only run, faster than the person behind you you can't run like your fastest yeah that's kind of what i would think of at least wait what do you mean by that like you're the person in the lead mm-hmm. is only running fast enough so the person behind them can't catch up okay where yeah. the person behind is running their fastest to try to overtake yeah yeah long distance running is crazy Long distance running is good. Yeah. I I just can't imagine being in that state consistently. Training to run cross country. Like long distances, cross country mm-hmm. training. But you'd never run over like if you're doing like you mean like marathons or like ultra marathons or mm. like, what's the what's the one where people run through like hundred miles? Yeah, that's like an ultra yeah, marathon. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like hundred miles through Mountains. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think that would be a lot more fun. I just don't like running. I don't like running on tracks 
or yeah. treadmills. I, I really like running through the forest, like barefoot, just flying around. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be like ultra marathon runners. They don't run the whole way. Like there's a lot of hiking because you go, you gain a lot of elevation. You yeah. lose a lot. So you'd be hiking a little bit and then running all the like flat stuff. But like, yeah, a hundred kilometers. What? What? <laughs> what's the um? What's that race that the the really crazy one that changes every year? But it's always the same distance. Like they always make oh, it longer, but they just the, say that it's the Barkley Marathon. The, yeah, the Barkley. Yeah. That's just I haven't heard too much about it lately, but there was like a documentary on Netflix about it. Yeah. And there was like a lot of hype for a little while, but it's just like incredible. I just love the guy that runs the whole thing. Yeah. He's just this old fuck that just like, yep, well, every, every time like talking to the, when they're interviewing the old runners or Mm -hmm. just the runners in general and they're looking through the map, they're like, it's gotten a lot longer, but it says it's the same distance. Yeah. And the old guy's like, oh yeah, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you call it the Barkley? Well, my friend, my friend's name is Barkley. Yeah. And that's why. And I just wanted to fuck with him. Yeah, he has no idea why they named it after some farmer <laughs> in the Appalachian Mountains. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, you look at the whole, that race is like a hundred miles long, they say. Yeah. Over like five days or something, three days. Like, how is that possible? Yeah. And they don't know where to run too. Like there's also like you need to like be able to read a map really to yeah because there's like 10 books that you have to like rip a page out of the book oh that's right and that's yeah. how you they know that you like went to each yeah yeah but yeah they do a bell too right they do a they do a loser bell <laughs> yeah they play like oh taps yep on the on, on the, the trumpet bugle yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, I think that's interesting. Same like seals does that mm-hmm. seals training. I find that the. I think it's easy to quit, but I think it's a lot harder to quit when it's an active thing. Yeah, like, you have to go and be like, "Well, I'm I'm done," and they play taps, mm-hmm. or you have to ring the bell. Yeah, you like tap out. In that race, I think you tap out, and they play the the taps or if you pass you hit the like staples that was easy button really yeah (laughs) how'd you you train for your half marathon i ran i ran it with my cousin andrew so we ran like four or five times a week and we'd kind of just like a lot of trail running not a, a lot of road running because like there's a lot of really nice trails in in Banff where we were living for the summer. It got really easy to run though. Like yeah. the first day we got there, we ran 12 kilometers like a trail run together. Mm-hmm. Like ran it pretty fast, and then it would just be like, oh, we're just gonna go on six kilometers. And then sometimes like we're like, oh, we'll just go for six kilometers today, and ended up running like. 
12 or 13 kilometers and that being like oh that was like super easy yeah like it felt good to run over an hour a day mm-hmm. which was cool uh-huh. but yeah we trained together for like a month and a half and then had done up until like the half marathon which is 22 kilometers we'd ran like one day which was 18 kilometers that was just about like the whole like race map because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you'd like run out of town and then come back in and then run through town a little bit and finish up but yeah they do that every year every year. just once a year yeah i think so it's nice. like the Banff Marathon. It's yeah. just, yeah. That'd be a, that'd be a nice place to do a marathon. It is. Just it's a so beautiful. beautiful. Place. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you're running like through lakes. There's mountains everywhere. We ran on a really nice day too. It was like mm-hmm. 20 degrees sunny. It was like just warm enough that like I ran just in like shorts and like nothing else. Yeah. But yeah. Uh-huh. It was really nice. And you didn't like overheat or anything. Is there good climbing in Bath? Sorry? Is there good climbing there? Yeah. Like, the Bow Valley area is, like, some of the best. It's, like, the best sport climbing in Canada. What's the difference between... What is sport climbing? The sport climbing is, like... um, You'd, like, look at a route, and there's, like, bolts on it. Mm -hmm. So when you're climbing, you have, like, quick draws that you clip into the bolts. Right. And then clip your rope that you're attached to to the quick draw, the other end of it. Yeah. So that would be your protection when you're climbing up. Um, so that's sport climbing. And you climb to the top and then you like your belayer would like let you down and then you clean all your gear and stuff off the wall so it doesn't you don't like leave anything. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's like trad climbing where you have your own protection with you. There's like cam lots and uh, nut, nuts and you like find cracks in the wall and then yeah. you put like a cam lot in it. You like pull this like trigger thing back mm-hmm. and it gets smaller and then you release it in the crack. Yeah. So that like won't come out of the wall. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So there's, like, nothing on the rock face. You're, Mm -hmm. like, protecting yourself. Right. Which is, I've never done it, but that's kind of the goal to get into that in the next couple years. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so Banff is, like, really good sport climbing, which is, like, that discipline. Or the first discipline where you, like, just clip into the wall. And, like, everything's pretty safe. And I think, yeah... Uh-huh. Do you think about dying when you're up there? A lot. Which is like, <laughs> <laughs> there's like a point when you're sport climbing that like, depending on, like when you rappel down mm-hmm. and you have to clean all your gear, you're like just protected by like yourself. You like anchor yourself into the wall mm-hmm. to like untie yourself and then go through these like rappel or wrap rings. And then you tie yourself back in. So there's there's a moment where like it's just you attached to like two bolts, 
and that's scary. You're like pulling on the bolts, <laughs> like making sure that you're in. But yeah, so you do think about, at least I think about dying every little bit, which is like a little scary, but it, you get used to it. Yeah. And there's definitely, yeah, I wouldn't say it's addicting that part of rock climbing, but it's just like what you have to do to rock climb. It's a huge adrenaline rush too. I, yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you ever had any close calls? Rock climbing? Not really. Well, like, yeah, I wouldn't, if you're ever having close calls, you're not doing it correctly, I would say. That's fair. Like, you should never really have close calls. Mm. But yeah, the, like, one thing we always talk, like, because you're climbing with a partner, the partner I always talk about is, like, the the rock's always going to be there. Yeah. So, like, if the day gets bad, if you're, like, multi-pitching, so you're, like, up fairly high, mm -hmm. like, if it gets bad, you know, you can always come back and, like, do it another day. Like, it's not worth right. having to, like, go through or, like, get close to things becoming very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I think in... In this spring, there was like a pretty scary time where we were climbing and it started like snowing mm -hmm. and the rock just turned to ice. It was really? like, you'd like, yeah, it was kind of like, um, like touching like an ice cube. Like it would just get like really smooth yeah, and like it's just ice on rock. Yeah. So there's no like, grip or anything. No. Yeah. There's like, you can't go up cause you're just going to slide. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we'll just go down cause yeah why why would we even try to do that yeah yeah and it was like easy climbing but it wasn't worth doing it on ice and yeah. in a storm on a mountain in the spring yeah but yeah the natural elements make um i was actually thinking about that before you came over just how the difference between nature sports and court sports mm -hmm. or team sports, individual sports. I mean, there's a difference between it. Like tennis would be an individual sport and also, I guess, a court sport. But mm -hmm. then nature sports are really different. Like that seems to be the, the variance is like the variance within nature sport is nature and how, how much that can affect it. Whereas in a team sport, like, you're playing with other people and you're playing someone else and the crowd is a thing, but in nature sport, like you're rock climbing and there's just you and the rock Yeah. and you're surfing and there's you and the swell and you're biking and there's you in the trail. But then there's also weather's a factor, like humidity, everything. Mm -hmm. And like the funny thing with surfing is people are always like, Oh, I'm going to get eaten by a shark. Well, I'd be more worried about like drowning. Like getting you're smashed against yeah. coral or against the ground. Like if you're in surfing big waves, I wouldn't be worried about a, a fish trying to eat me. I'd be worried about getting like hit by the wave and drowning from that. Waves hurt, man. Yeah. Waves. I remember growing up, we did a couple of trips to Costa Rica because like 
yeah, there's surfing there. And the first time we went surfing, I just loved it. Mm-hmm. I was like, we have to go back. So yeah, my parents like, it's not a bad place to go. So we'll, <laughs> we'll go again. I guess we can go to Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like a family trip. I remember surfing and just like scorpion in the water, like on small waves. Yeah. Like my toes would wrap around and hit my ears and I'd just like roll through the water. But it's like, (laughs) and yeah, you look at like the small wave that's able to like contort a body like that. That's crazy. Water's heavy. Yeah. The most, like, the most damage I've done surfing is landing, <laughs> probably concussing me in Hawaii. With a surfboard? Yeah, he just yeah. like, I was in the, I was standing in the water, he was on his board, mm. and I said something, and he turned really quickly and just and conked me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh. Yeah, man. Water's heavy, but, like, water's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And then you look at, like, like, snowboarding and stuff. And at least I grew up in Ontario, so you don't get mountains. Mm-hmm. You get like hills. Like I skied on a lot of old, like garbage dumps, where like <laughs> I'm serious. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like the garbage piles so high that they're like, oh, we can turn it into a ski hill. Really? There's like a couple of them in Ontario. Do they just put? Oh, well, yeah, there's like grass and yeah. And it's like, so the garbage just builds up to a point where they're just like, well, yeah. like, let's just put dirt on it. Yeah. Really? It's insane. It's like there's so much garbage that it's like, oh, my God, that's a huge hill. Gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so you don't get like avalanches or anything like that, but you come to BC and you go to... Garbage avalanches. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. This is used toilet paper. Oh. What's this doing to me? <laughs> But that's the thing. It's it's so different from <laughs> BC where you have beautiful mountains, but, you know, if you're not understanding snow conditions and, like, avalanche reports, you could die. Yeah. Yeah. And even, like, well, last year there was two avalanches in Silver Star, which is, like, they should be doing enough, like, research to know, like, like there shouldn't be any avalanches in any resort skiing mm-hmm. or like on hills, but there's two. So that's kind of scary. Yeah. Which you don't get in Ontario. But yeah. I think a lot of the times people, if people don't think about dying a lot, mm-hmm. I think people think that they're above dying. They, they just don't consider it. Yeah. Like I don't think a lot of people consider it. When I was in, I had to battle with that when I was in Nepal because there were lots of, it was raining a lot, so mm-hmm. there were lots of landslides, and obviously my first reaction was like, no, like, it could never happen to me, but yeah. it, that, that's how it happens, is that you think that it can't happen to you, and then it happens to you, because I think that we, we exceed our own limitations by, because of, number one, our ego, and then number two, I think our, our lack of previous experience with that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but once you experience when, once you experience some crazy natural act of God kind of thing, it's super humbling as a human. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. I could totally just die. When we were, when Utah and I went up and watched that lightning storm, that was, that was a crazy thing. Yeah. Like lightning striking probably 50 meters away from us. 
huge lightning cracks and thinking, oh wow, like I would I would just be disintegrated. Mm-hmm. I would die super quick. Yeah, it was even scary being in the car. Yeah, I was like, okay, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's go. Where? Yeah, yeah, it's acts of God are terrifying. Mm-hmm. It makes you think that, like, you're just a tiny ant. You're just nothing. Yeah. And then people's egos get just get too big. That, yeah. There was um, I think you and I were watching a video. It was a it was a wing glider, mm-hmm. and he talked about all the ways that people die, and all of it was low pulls. There was actually someone that died here in Kamloops. I want to say a week ago. Really. From he was a skydiver. He was sixty one. He he had over five thousand jumps. Mm-hmm. He competed in world championships a few times, and he. He died. I, it's probably because of a low pull, like that. Meaning, like the pulling your oh, shoot pulling your really shoot low. low. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because there was there was a video that I want to say probably you and I we just watched a lot of stuff. But yeah. um, he talks about low pulls and how that's the most common means of death for any skydiver, mm-hmm. wingsuit, like anything is always just low pulls. So he was like, "I'm never gonna pull low. I'm always gonna pull above necessary elevation." Yeah. So if you pull low, you just hit the ground, or is it you're going too fast? There's, there are just more factors that are in play that, like maybe your shoe gets a little bit tangled and you don't have enough time to unwrap it, or something like the wind is like you're going, you pull too low and your shoe doesn't have enough time to open up and you go too fast and you hit the ground, or you don't have enough time to actually find a good landing spot because, yeah, okay, there's just that seems to be the most common factor for people dying of. In skydiving accents is locals, yeah. and this guy just talks about how just not being above that, not not thinking like, oh well, it's me, so like I, yeah. I know that I'll know that it'll never happen to me because I'm in control. And then once you actually do those things, I think you realize how out of control you are. Mm-hmm. Or once something like that happens to you, you realize how out of control you are. Yeah, I don't know. I've thought about skydiving. I don't know if I'd ever do it. I would. Skydiving in a heartbeat. I think I'd be okay bungee jumping. But really? Yeah. Bungee jumping freaks me out more. But at least I know I'm attached to something. Where I think I think both of them are. I think both. Like I don't think there's an issue with either of them. But mm-hmm. I think bungee jumping freaks me out more. Just because I'm so, you're so close to the ground. Skydiving, I think, is at least the way I see it. Like, well. Yeah. If I, do, if I go sky, I've got a lot of time to figure out how to do something. Or I've got a lot of time to think about how hard I'm going to hit the ground. But bungee jumping is like, it's, yeah. I don't know if I'd die if I bungee jumped. Like I feel like the rope would go down a little bit and then maybe snap. And then I'd slam into the ground and just be paralyzed for the rest of my life. Shatter my C4. <laughs> well, I hope that wouldn't happen. I, I hope if I went skydiving, I wouldn't die. But yeah. I'd go skydiving. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I've just heard there was um there was actually some guys when I was in Laos. Mm-hmm. We we I went to an airfield and just hung out with some skydivers because they had a really good their airfield had a really good view of the sunset. Okay. In, in one of the cities I was in, so we just went and hung out with them and we talked about it a lot. And his the the guy he um they did a lot of base jumping. And mm-hmm. lots of air balloon jumps. 
which I just thought was super cool. And his perspective on the whole thing was just really, really cool. Yeah. It's like, you're just free. The only time you're free of everything. Okay. You're just alone, mm-hmm. you're completely alone. There's nothing above or below. You're just, it's only you. Yeah. The way that he described it was much more eloquent, eloquent and beautiful. But <laughs> yeah, that was the that was the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you have to to do it to get the feeling. I can. I'm not able to. You know what? I'll do it with you, Charlie. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> it's got to be in a nice place for yeah. sure. I don't know. It's. I've seen some skydiving here on some just beautiful days. Yeah. You just see a plane fly by and then a bunch of little dots fly out of it. And you're like, oh no, those people fell out. And then, oh no, they're skydiving. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd skydive here. That'd be a lot of fun. Skydive here. Yeah, I would skydive here. Yeah. We should have some really, really nice sunsets. I think Mm -hmm. that would be really really cool to see just a beautiful sunset and I guess it's all chance too and you just kind of hope that you get a good sunset but yeah. I'm not sure if that could be a horrible experience to skydive <laughs> maybe you don't get a good sunset but you're still skydiving you're still skydiving yeah yeah. I was just thinking like when do you ever get that yeah you don't get that feeling ever I maybe being, like cliff jumping yeah or I was like, just being alone I was just that free yeah free falling yeah <laughs> Shout out to Tom Petty. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't get that that feeling of freedom. Yeah, just nothingness. Mm-hmm. I could fuck with that. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a lot of fun. Same with scuba diving. I think scuba, scuba diving would be really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff to do. Yeah. In this life. I think that's the coolest thing. There's just so much stuff you can do. Yeah. And there, there's no shortage of just amazing things. And I'm sure yeah. people are going to find more and more amazing things. Mm-hmm. Going to space as a civilian would be just unbelievable. Yeah. I haven't even thought of that. They talked about that a lot in um, One Strange Rock. Mm-hmm. Or the, the that one that Will Smith narrated. Yeah, Our Strange Rock. Our Strange Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They talked about the the effect of going into space and seeing the earth and how it changes your perspective on all the issues that we face on earth. Cause you're like, mm-hmm. we're all fighting each other, but it's just like, you see what? it as you see it as the macro, like the yeah. macro, but we're all just microcosms, mm-hmm. which I think would be, I think it would be cool. It's cool to think about that and try to feel that through empathizing, but to actually go into space and see, the planet earth yeah there's a movie that like that coming out yeah yeah, yeah. like lucy in the sky yeah Some we girl. saw it yeah the, yeah the joker that was a really good movie yeah. too i had a lot of fun with that mm-hmm. all right we're, we're an hour and ten you want to cut yeah that's that's yes. fine with me come, come here buddy oh. Come on, oh, come here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was good. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I had fun. Yeah.